This is the ATM at the Minute Podcast, episode 232, and holy hell, we have so much to talk about this week. Let's just get right into it, Jackson. We're going to cover some NBA at the start of the show here, then we're going to go NFL, talk about the coaching latest, uh, fallout for the teams that lost in the divisional round, and then, of course, we are going to finish the show making picks on the games this weekend. So, Jackson, let's start NBA. The all-star starters were announced a couple of hours ago. Starting in the East, we have Damian Lillard, Tyrese Halliburton, Jason Tatum, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid. Any qualms with those five? Yeah, Dame doesn't deserve to be in there. When you're shooting 41% from the floor and 30% from three or whatever it is, maybe 42% and 31% at this point, I don't think he deserves it. Uh, By most standards, he's having maybe his worst year in six seven seasons so i'd like to see brunson or somebody else like that get the nod but i get it it's milwaukee they're the two seed dame's a big star same reason lebron's in there he doesn't deserve to be in there but it's it's the name and the fact that the fan vote and everything else yeah 43 and 35 percent for dame and I'm all right those have up. come up those have come up the last few days then because it was looking at about 42 and 31 a few days ago when i checked yeah, I was rounding up a little bit. I'm I'm with you. Jalen Brunson definitely got snubbed. The Knicks have lost two games since the OGN and OB trade. I think I believe they're eleven and two. They haven't allowed more than one hundred ten points more than one time in the entire month. So that trade is really looking well for them. But Jalen Brunson's the guy leading the way for them. He's forty seven point five from the field, over forty two percent from three scoring more than Dame. He's at 26.6 a night. I mean, he's a flat-out stud. side-by-side, every category, Brunson's outperformed Dame. Yeah, so we're in lockstep there. The fan vote ultimately got Dame that spot, is what it sounds like. At least Trey Young's not a starter. I'm I'm happy with that. (laughs) Yeah, uh, but Brunson should have been rewarded. Over in the West, it is SGA, Luka, Kevin Durant, LeBron, and Nikola Jokic. I think they hit this right on the head. Why does LeBron deserve to start? Okay, yeah, other than LeBron. But who's replacing him? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, you know, I think you could have had a KD and Book in there, but I get with the start that we have had, you cannot put two guys from one team in there unless they're a top seed. I, I don't Edwards. have a guy that I think it should be instead. Yeah, maybe Ant. I just, I get it. It's LeBron. You're going to make him a starter, but does he really deserve it? I mean... I feel like even Kawhi deserves it more. Or PG. Yeah, one of those two. I mean, they're they're so much better than the Lakers, and they're both playing more games than LeBron. LeBron's missed a bunch of games. Yeah, Lakers are at 10 right now. They're one game under 500. And the big thing that jumps out to me is that Steph Curry's not an all-star starter. I don't know what the... <laughs> what the streak was for him, but it's very weird to see those five and not see his name, but the Warriors tumultuous season, they're 12th in the West, 19 and 22 right now. So I think that makes sense. I mean, yeah, I feel the same about Steph and LeBron. Like do either of them really deserve to be starters? Probably not, but I get it. It's LeBron, whatever. Lifetime achievement awards. (laughs) Exactly. All right, let's get on with the rest of the news. The Milwaukee Bucks out of nowhere. Two days ago now, man, this week is flying by. They fired Adrian Griffin despite sitting at second in the Eastern Conference, second in offensive rating, and with a 30-13 and record, they say, hey, see ya, and they bring in Doc Rivers shortly after 
What do you make of this move um, for the Bucks? And do you think Adrian Griffin got a fair shake? I mean, I don't really think this was out of nowhere. We heard before the season even started the Terry Stotts thing. That, to me, was the first red flag of something's not right here. Because Terry Stotts, I mean, this is a long-time coach, not only head coach, but he's been on plenty of benches as an assistant. It seems like he's someone players generally get along well with. And this was Dame's coach. You know him and Dame have a good rapport. And so the fact that Adrian Griffin kind of embarrassed him in front of the team and they didn't see eye to eye enough where whether Stotts got fired, he walked away, whatever it was, that to me was the first little bit of smoke of, okay, something feels kind of off here. Um, I also read a report that apparently Giannis did not want Nick Nurse and he didn't want to play for him. And he Heard pretty much too. handpicked Griffin. And I've seen conflicting stuff. Giannis came out and said he was quote unquote surprised by this move. Sounds like the team all wanted it. That's cap. Uh, 100% cap. And I've lost a little bit of respect for Giannis this year, just with some of the antics and stuff that's happened. And it seems like he picked this guy, soured on him early on in the season, and the whole team wanted him out. I mean, did you see them dancing and like how hype they were before their game after they fired him? That, to me, didn't feel like nothing. It felt like a little bit of something. And after the end-season tournament, Bobby Portis called a team meeting and called him out. So like, if Bobby Portis is calling your head coach out in front of the entire team. Something's not right. And at the end of the day, they were 22nd in defensive rating. And I think that's where they all felt like this just isn't right. When you have some of those pieces there, I get, you know, you exchange Drew Holiday for Damian Lillard. You're going to take a small step back on defense, but you still have Giannis. You still Maybe have Middleton. guys step. like, yeah, medium, but still the rest of your team, Giannis, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, Jay Crowder. Like, it's not like they have a bunch of guys that can't defend. You know, like they should be better than 22nd defensive rating. Yeah. I mean, for context, he got into a verbal altercation with Terry Stotts a couple game or a couple days right before, before the, the start season of the season started. He was Dame's guy, as we know from their time in Portland. Uh, they didn't like how Dame's been used, not running enough pick and roll. And then defensively, he's been running Nick Nurse schemes that don't match the Bucks' current personnel. They're having Brooke Lopez blitz outside the three point line when he's been playing drop coverage and they've been a top defense the last handful of years with Budenholzer. So yeah, I'm with you. Giannis kind of pulled a LeBron here. He's getting 100%. involved. He's playing the role of GM. And yep. I think we've seen enough examples now that that doesn't it work, work, man. It don't yeah, work. It doesn't he, work anywhere. He made the Dame trade. He made the Dame trade. He wanted to get rid of Bud. He wanted to hire Griffin, and then he wanted to fire Griffin. Like I'm, I'm starting to, you know, keep keep an eye on that situation in Milwaukee because it's feeling a little bit toxic. Yeah, not only did they lose Drew Holiday, they also lost Grayson Allen in that trade. Who's he's not a plus defender, best, but he's best three fine. point shooter in the league. Best three yeah, point I mean, shooter in the league. He's good. And then the other thing that puzzles me, and don't get me wrong, I think Doc is going to be an upgrade over Griffin because of his pedigree his resume i do like the whole fact that he played at marquette and knows milwaukee that that's kind of cool probably doesn't mean anything but the fact that they gave him 40 million and signed him up through the 2026 2027 season that really puzzled me i figured but that's kind of you have to you think you have to for any coach oh yeah Oh, yeah. Any coach that's going there is getting a multi-year deal and a big bag over 30 million. I mean, that's just the norm nowadays. It is, especially on a championship contender. Yeah, but like what leverage does Doc have in the negotiation other than that they just fired their coach? 
I'll, I'll, I'll stay right here and keep doing media and I'm just fine. I don't have to take this job. Clearly, you guys don't have any other better candidates, so you're calling me. Well, I heard Kenny Atkinson's name thrown out there, but to me, it's like a two-year deal maybe because if this doesn't work, which I, I don't know if it's going to, Dame has real limitations on the defensive end. I, I assume they'll get up from 22 in defensive rating you know, into the teens, but... I don't know if they're going to win a title in those in that time frame. So how do I know they're not going to fire him in two years? And all of a sudden we have the Milwaukee Raiders where they're paying three coaches. I mean, they might, but it, you know, it's, it's not part of your salary cap. So at the end of the day, it doesn't really affect anything other than what ownership's got to pay out. Very true. So something to monitor with the bucks. Will the defense improve? Will Dame's efficiency go up if they start, you know, catering the offense more to, his style of play. Let's see what happens there. The other big piece of news this week was the Hornets moving on from Terry Rozier, trading him to the Miami heat for Kyle Lowry, who's on an expiring contract, $29 million and a 2027 first round pick that is lottery protected. I assume that will convey it's the heat. They, they attract stars. Um, And if it doesn't, then it's unprotected in 2028. What do you make of this deal for Miami? Because I think from the Charlotte lens, it's pretty clear what's going on there. Yeah, it's about time that Charlotte finally cut bait and started getting some assets back for these players that they can't win with. Uh, On the Miami side, you know, they didn't have to give up a ton. They got off the Lowry money. It's only one protected first round pick. But I'm kind of concerned about the fit here. I think another move has to be coming. I think Hero could potentially get dealt because if, I mean, from the outside looking in, I can't imagine a closing lineup with Tyler Hero and Terry Rozier out there as your two guards. Like, they're going to get picked apart defensively. I know Jimmy is great, and I know Bam is great, but they can't cover all of that up. And you damn sure can't play Duncan Robinson, Terry Rozier, and Tyler Hero together. That's never going to work. So I know Heat culture and Spo and Jimmy, and they'll figure it out. So, I, like, I think they're going to be fine. I'm not trying to read too deep into the, the fact that they've really looked like shit in the two games since they made the trade, but... I'm a little concerned. The Clippers here, and look I think like something shit. Else is coming. The Pacers have looked like shit. For sure. It takes time. It takes time. But I just don't see a backcourt of Tyler Hero and Terry Rozier closing games and winning multiple playoff series. I can't see it. And the other thing with Rozier is he's he's good at playmaking for himself. You know, he's kind of a good creator in a sense, but he's definitely not a facilitator and he's definitely not a pass first guard and neither is Hero. So like, is Jimmy your de facto point guard and then you're playing with two other guards that are both 6'4", six, 6'5", six, or shorter and kind of net negatives on the defensive end? I, I just, I'm, I'm a little confused and I think something else has to be coming here. I want to push back a little bit. First off, I think it's a huge upgrade over what they were getting out of Kyle Lowry at this point in his career. <laughs> Kyle Lowry is averaging 8.2 points, 3.5 rebounds, and 4 assists. No doubt, but it was the same thing last year, and he showed up in the playoffs. That is true, but he's another year older, and he was giving them nothing this year. Terry Rozier has some gaudy stats, averaging 23 points a game. Obviously, he's not going to have the same usage here in Miami, but I do think he's going to give them a much more potent offensive threat than Lowry. And I'm not so sure he's going to be closing games. From everything I've heard, he is content to join a winning team. He's probably going to play a bench role. And when I think about their closing lineup, I would bet it's, let's see, Hero, 
Hawkes, Jimmy, Caleb Martin, and Bam. Maybe, Maybe. Duncan. And I'm sure of they're gonna Martin. they're gonna play know. with some different combinations. But I mean, Rozier's been starting games. I think he's gonna start over Hawkes. He might not close, but he's definitely gonna be a starter. We'll see. I, I I hear you though. I mean, he definitely feels redundant with Tyler Hero, but they don't have a lot on their bench. It's Josh Richardson, Kevin Love, Duncan, who's who's been creating a little more than he has in the past, but there's just yeah. not a lot there. So I, I think this is a big win for them. And one other point to make, they missed out on Damian Lillard. They missed out on maybe Siakam or Ananobi, one of these other deals. I think we've probably seen the bulk of the trades that are going to happen this year occur I already. Disagree. At least, at least I the big ones. completely disagree. The big ones. Why? What big fish do you think would well, get moved? I mean, DeJounte Murray's other than, moved. That's other no than Murray. Yeah, and after that, we'll see. But it's the NBA, man. Anything can happen. And if I'm Miami, why would you not have gone after DeJounte Murray, though? Unless you want to keep your powder dry and think there's another guy you could get. But, like, wouldn't DeJounte Murray out there with Tyler Hero and Jimmy make a whole lot more sense than Terry Rozier? I think so. But like, from what sick. I've heard, Atlanta... I'd be ready, I'd be ready to take them out of the East right now if they had DeJounte, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, Jaime Hawkins, Bam Adebayo as their five. Like, that's rock freaking solid. I heard Atlanta wants two firsts and a starter. Who's who's Miami giving up? They're not. They're not going to give up hero. No, you probably just give them a shit ton of picks and Lowry. Give them a ton of picks and Lowry, and you say you guys suck. You're not going anywhere anyway. Use one of the picks and flip it for something else. I'm not that high on Dejounte Murray. I think he's a very good player, but I don't know. I I think they're trying to play it a little bit safer here. I don't think there's any hole in his game. That's my thing is I feel like he's a solid defender. He can be a facilitator when he's in the right situation. His shooting splits are really good. And I think playing with a guy like Jimmy, he's going to be as locked in as he was when he was an all-star with the Spurs. I think you see more of those kind of numbers come back versus when he's second fiddle to Trey Young on a team that sucks and he's just standing around waiting for the ball. This, this is true, but I think this summer, if they were to make a Murray deal, they would have nothing left all their assets would be used up. Whereas Most with it, this yeah. Rozier deal, they're still going to have a few picks at their disposal and Nikolajovich and whatever to try to make another deal. The other thing is this trade got them under the second apron. So they're going to be in the buyout. market. Ah. They're now, they're now $6 million underneath it. And Kayla Martin is probably going to decline his player option this off season. He's, going to get 15 plus on the open market so they may end up losing him because re-signing him would put them back over the second apron yeah that that new rule comes into place next season where if you're over that second apron you can't get buyout guys and so many other things so that's a good call out that's something to look out going for uh into next season yeah and then the hornets they're trying to reroute kyle lowry i would keep an eye on gordon hayward miles bridges yeah, but what are you going to get for Kyle Lowry? Like, no one's going to give you anything for him. Maybe bad salary know. and a second round pick, like really bad salary. It, I I would bet he gets bought out. I would think. I would think. I don't know. If you're the Thunder, uh, yeah, would, I don't you, know who would you no, throw like Bertans in a second no. and just like, hey, veteran, no. and he's there to help him? I would do that him? for Hayward. But Lowry. Yeah, I think, I think Hayward's got, got a little Wallace. more juice left, though. 
Yeah, that's fair. I'm, I'm not even talking about playing. I'm just thinking, like, have him there in the locker room for a playoff run. And, like, <laughs> if somebody were to go down, like, Kyle, dust him off. We need 15 minutes tonight, man. We will see. All right, next piece here. This happened today. Wes Unsell Jr. moving up to the front office with the Washington Wizards. To me, this sounds like he got Pete Carroll fired, and they're going to make a spot for him in the front office. Yeah, agreed. But also, like, what is he supposed to do? You know, yeah, like <laughs> I don't understand it at all. Like the personnel on the team is terrible. Yeah, Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Poole gonna get you into the play in? Like what what are you expecting? I thought the yeah, plan I, was to lose as many games as possible and now the guy's penalized for it. I don't understand it at all. They're promoting the top assistant, Brian Keefe. So we'll see what happens there. Any other thoughts on the NBA before we move it over to the NFL? Yeah, I got a few things uh, on the DeJounte Murray front. Did you see the report that the Pistons were trying to trade from him this week or trade for him this week? I did not. Yeah. And apparently the Hawks said, we'll do it if you give us Thompson or Ivy. And the Pistons said no and hung up the phone. Why are you trying to get DeJounte Murray and pair him with Cade Cunningham and Ivy? Like, do you need three young guys that need the ball in their hands. Like I don't in what world does that make any sense? Sword Thompson like, really isn't a spot up guy at all. Yeah. It I, makes no sense at all. I don't know. I, where that one was that? weird. Uh I saw it I Someone think incredible? Stein reported it. Yeah, okay. yeah. I saw it on either Twitter or Bleachport, but it was like I mean a legit full on report, very detailed about the talks and they've stalled out now and it's probably not gonna happen. But keep an eye on the pistons. It sounds like instead of being sellers they want to buy I don't get it. I mean, I guess you gotta like, sell Bogdanovich, please. Maybe they're in like the Bears type situation, but it's worse off of like let's just get some wins and try and keep people's jobs and get some momentum going into next year. But like that's so anti NBA with the way it works. I guess also you could have the mindset of this draft class is shit. So does it really make a difference if we have the first pick or the sixth pick? Like let's try to get better. I don't know. I'd wait till the summer if it were me. A uh, couple other things here. He's not going to be this season, most likely, but J-Dub, Jalen Williams, no doubt he is an all-star next season, yeah? I would bet on it. I think so. I think he could be an all-defensive team guy, too. I mean, it feels like there's something really there, and he's on like a Halliburton-type trajectory where next season people are going to be, I mean, needing parachutes. Yeah, he's eighth in the NBA in fourth quarter scoring on the season, and number one in fourth quarter efficiency, I believe. He's like 72% or something ridiculous. He is Him and Shea's stuff. numbers in the fourth quarter are unreal. And, and like, yeah. you know, J-Dub, he, like I kind of said about Murray. He's outscored Shea in the fourth quarter on the season. Crazy. I believe it. I mean, they drew up that game winner for him the other night and you Shea as a decoy. Like, that, that says a lot. Yeah. And, I mean, you just see the way the team reacts to all these wins. It's clear they're... <laughs> they're all in this together man it, it feels like high school musical out here it's ridiculous well, they all like chet you know his jersey gets retired and they all go to the the ceremony at his high school they've done that with a few of their guys it, it seems like there's really something there and uh i, I mean they're not going to do anything right i think we can confidently say at this point like, they're not going to make a trade i wouldn't totally rule it out i think if they did it would be for a backup big i don't Agreed. know one one thing on j-dub the pool of players that could be eligible to play in the Paris Olympics came out and J dub was not on the list. He, in my eyes, he's clearly better than some of the dudes on this list of 41 or whatever. And yeah, 
he seems like the perfect kind of player for international basketball. He already guards all these different positions. He knows how to play within the flow of the offense. I've heard interviews with him. He does not care how many points he scores. It it all is just read and react. Great feel for the game. He knows how to pass. I don't understand yep. it at all. Yep. <laughs> next, great team defender. Olympics, great one-on-one defender. Well, yeah. And that's the other thing is he'd be a great guy to have on the bench. So you can kind of, you know, get him groomed for the next few Olympics. Cause in theory, he's going to play in a bunch. Um, yeah, that, that's was, a good call. And I think that's bizarre. I was comparing his year two stats to year two, James Harden, and he's eclipsed him in pretty much every category. I don't know the minutes per game, so I can't say it's apples to apples completely, but I really think all NBA potential is there with him. 100%. And honestly, his Instagram game is pretty nice, too. He takes after Shea with the way he posts I mean, he's stuff. On, I don't know if you follow him. He's all over league fits. Yeah. I mean, the league fits team of the year is in Oklahoma City. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then last thing I got here, you know I got to give a shout out to my Phoenix Suns. We are on quite the heater won seven in a row. Uh, two of those have been 22 plus point comeback wins in the second half last night. I know Kyrie didn't play, but whatever Kyrie's missed a bunch of games. And honestly, I, I don't think Luke and Kyrie fit together. I think they're better when one or the other are out. Uh, but Phoenix got down 17 points early in the second quarter. And then we blink and they're up 25 at the end of the third quarter. So, or maybe even 27. So I, I'm feeling really good about this team. I think Vogel's figured some things out. The small ball lineup has been really effective in small doses. And I mean, Brad Beal looks like Brad Beal. He's got more bounce than I've seen him have in years. Grayson Allen's leading the league in three point shooting books, book KD's KD. It's this is what I hope for, man. This is what I hope for and what I've been dreaming about. This is uh, this is probably my favorite Suns team ever, and I, I can't wait to see how the rest Whoa. of the year goes. I'm, feel, I'm feeling good, man. I mean, KD was my guy. You know that. Steve Nash, my favorite player ever. Then it was KD. Then it was Book. So having KD and Book on the same team is like a dream come true now that we're actually winning. So I'm, I'm pumped the Morale up, has changed drastically in just a couple of weeks here. That Kings game, man, I said it. That was the turning point in the season. When we had that comeback, it was like, something just clicked and then the Lakers game after and we're, we're rolling KD now, game we're winner rolling. over Chicago. Yep. That was sick. And then book with the 52 points and three quarters the other night. It's it's here, man. It's here. This team's finally reaching its potential. And I mean, you hear book and interviews too, and they're not satisfied. They feel like they have a long way to go still. And they're just now yeah. getting into a groove. And I mean, they really do think they're the best team in the West. And in my opinion, it's sons, nuggets and clippers and i know minnesota and okc need to be taken seriously but i'd be very surprised if it wasn't you know denver la clips or phoenix out of the west i don't think that's a hot take even when you just look at the experience on those rosters what i want to see is the suns finish fifth seed or better in the pelicans at six just because the first round matchup of suns versus Clippers, Nuggets, T-Wolves, or Thunder is ridiculous for a first-round matchup. We're going to a game if we get a Suns-Thunder first-round matchup. Hey, We're going. all right. Yeah, sign me up for that. Uh, one, one more shout or a couple more shouts. Once again, the Knicks smoked the Nuggets tonight. Yeah. I think... They're looking like a lock for the four seed in the East, four or five. I think we're probably going to get a Cleveland Knicks rematch in round one. Cleveland's been don't, playing good basketball without. Don't count out Indy. Don't count out yeah. Indy. Halliburton hadn't played the last three or four. Right. And still getting used to Siakam. But those teams might be on a collision course. And then Thunder sitting atop the West. Pretty cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, real quick on the Cavs, uh, I got some crow to eat on Donovan Mitchell ever since I absolutely bashed him. The Cavs have figured <laughs> it out, and they've played great without Mobley and Garland. Their defensive rating is better than it's been in a really long time. So I'm, I'm kind of looking at those two guys wondering what's up here and why all of a sudden Cleveland's so much better without both of them. Well, they lacked shooting last year, and then they went out and got Max Strews, George Nyang, and Sam Merrill, who's come out of nowhere, the Bucks. The Bucks and Grizzlies just let him walk, and now he's found a real spot here with the Cavs. So, yeah, they're, they're playing good basketball. All right, let's talk some football. NFL, baby. We're looking at conference championship weekend, and this coaching carousel has just gone crazy in the last few days. So let's go yeah. through each hire, get our thoughts off, and get into the preview. So let's start with the big fish, Jim Harbaugh. Hired by the Los Angeles Chargers on a five-year deal. What do you make of this? I'm not too surprised. There's been a lot of ties. That's kind of been the spot people looked at. I was a little bit skeptical. I thought it might be Ben Johnson, maybe Vrabel, but this makes sense. It sounds like he's going to bring some of his Michigan uh, defensive staff with him. I wouldn't be surprised if they draft Blake Corum like second round and Jesse move on Minter, from Eckler. I believe. Yeah, and... I mean, he's in a great situation. He's He's got a quarterback with top five talent and on paper, a really good defense. I know they've got some cap things to figure out, but I mean, you've got Bosa, Khalil Mack, Derwin James, like they've, they've got some pieces there. Uh, Kenneth Murray. So curious to see what all they do this off season and really curious to see what they do in the draft. You know, they got the fifth pick. Are they going to go Bowers? Would they dare take another receiver or are they going to take a defensive lineman, somebody that can stop the run? We will see, but they're going to be fun to watch. And I mean, Harbaugh makes for great television. I have a hard time taking him serious still with all the stuff he says, uh, but they're going to be fun to watch. And I hope he figures it out there. Yeah, I think it's a home run hire. Truly, this is the kind of culture changer that the Chargers needed so desperately after the way things went down with Brandon Staley. He's had and with success. Anthony Lynn, man, it's been nonstop yeah. for like six years. We know he can win. He just won the Natty. He was 44, 19, and 1 in his four years with the 49ers. I mean, I think it's going to be awesome for them. They're going to be a, a tough physical team, which isn't really synonymous with the Chargers. I think it's going to be a total shift. And, um, I, yeah, I'm curious about the draft as well. I, can, I think you rule out wide receiver. I would bet that they go offensive Surely. line or Bowers someone who is physical and kind of a tone setter. They've, yeah, or they might trade back. I, if I were them, I would look at trying to trade back maybe. and get two late first-round picks and then, you know, receiver, tight end, and then offensive or defensive line. Yeah, it'll be cool. They play the Ravens in SoFi next season, so he'll get to match up against his brother. Um, mm -hmm. And then I, I'm also curious what this does for Justin Herbert's career. I actually don't think they're going to air it out more. I think they're going to run the ball more and Agreed. make things easier on Herbert, which will probably help him over the course of the season because he seems to get banged up a lot. Yeah, I think we'll see, kind of like when Joe Brady came into Buffalo and all of a sudden like James Cook actually ran the ball and they had a balanced offense for the first time yeah. in forever. I think we're going to see that in L.A. Yep, I would guarantee you they draft a running back. Will it be Blake Corum? I don't know. But AFC West Wouldn't loaded, man. Him. Let's stay in the yeah. AFC West. The Raiders hire Antonio Pierce, who went five and four as the interim coach with Aiden O'Connell as the starter. Very impressive. Mm -hmm. And they also hire former Chargers general manager Tom Telesco, who got fired 
alongside Brandon Staley. So they go in the division, get a guy with experience to pair with a relatively inexperienced head coach in Pierce. I do think that was a smart move. And 100%. And you look at the talent that the Chargers have on paper, like you look at their defense, it's not a management thing. You know what I mean? Like they put together talent. They really did. They have on paper you no think? debate a top 10 defense. Oh, the Chargers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, Telesco didn't do a terrible job there. Um, they just couldn't figure it out, and he hired some wrong coaches. But, yeah, I think the Raiders are in a good spot. I, I wish they would have made the move with Pierce a little bit quicker. I think it was kind yeah. of dumb to take as long as they did. Like, clearly, he's the guy. You've got Max Crosby and all all the key veterans saying on this team coming out. Trade. Yeah, saying, if you don't hire him, I'm gone. So it's, it's kind of sad that that had to happen for them to hire him, but they got it right. So better late than never. Yeah, I like it for them, but he's got Sean Payton, Andy Reid, and now Jim Harbaugh in the division. So that's going to be tough sledding. And uh, I heard Daniel Jeremiah talking about this. What if they went and got Sam Darnold? Like, they kind of need to figure out a quarterback. Do they go with Sam Darnold's anything, dude? I'm I'm so off Sam Darnold. Hear me out. Do they go with a bridge option like a Darnold? who once beat out Baker Mayfield in Carolina, who's about to get paid. All I'm saying is... I thought you said Darnold was going to beat out Purdy, and you know, when the snaps Darnold came in for the 49ers, he didn't look very good to me. (laughs) Sample size is way too small. Everyone said in training camp, Darnold had had the best arm, looked the sharpest, but Purdy did nothing... He's had the best arm in every situation he's been, and he can't keep a job. Purdy did nothing to lose his job, right? Darnold yeah, he never... was great. He was the better quarterback. Dude, he went to the NFC Championship game last year and then won consistently this year. In no scenario was Darnold going to just get shoehorned into the starting job. This We're is what I tried to tell you before the season started. But yeah, okay, back no, to the point. My point, my point. I'm going to finish because you said that. My point was always that if Purdy went down, Darnold mm. would do a damn good job. No, no, no. Don't make me pull the receipts. At one point, you said by the end of the season, it's going to be Darnold's job. I will go back and find it later. Neither here nor there. I think they could use a bridge. I don't hate O'Connell, man. I I wouldn't mind seeing a season of O'Connell. I don't know if Devontae is willing to deal with that. I think that's a big piece you got to figure out. Who knows if he's there regardless. Yeah, it could be in New York. Yeah, I think there's a little something there with O'Connell. I really do. All right, next one. This was kind of a surprise today the falcons after interviewing 14 different candidates hire raheem morris the rams defensive coordinator to be their head coach there was a lot of people coming out in support of morris who got fired rather unceremoniously with tampa bay in the early Mm -hmm. 2000s he was a 31 year old head coach it did not go well and he's done a great job in a few different spots since so I think this is a pretty cool hire. You got Kevin Dimoff. He's the COO of the Rams, you know, tweeting out multiple times saying he's the guy. McVay's backed him. Jalen Ramsey said they just hired one of the best coaches in the NFL. I really like this for Atlanta. The question for me, though, is who do they get at offensive coordinator? And the name I've heard is former Oklahoma State Cowboy Zach Robinson. No way. Yeah, I think he's the leader in the clubhouse to get this job. I know he's bounced around and he's been a QB coach and in a few spots. And I mean, that'd be sick, man. But they they have to get it right at OC because bringing in a defensive minded coach when 
the majority of your issues have been on the offensive side of the ball the last couple of years is it's a bold move. I really thought yeah. that if this wasn't Bill Belichick, it'd probably be Ben Johnson. So um, I was surprised by this one. Yeah, I was too. But based on the early feedback we've seen, I think it's a good hire. It's just, can they nail the right play caller on offense? And then obviously yep. there's a quarterback question. And even if it does go South next season, you got to think Morris is sticking around because, I mean, you just got to see what happens at quarterback. It's a great out for him if things don't go well. Of Like, well, I walk into a situation where there was no quarterback and the offense had been a dumpster fire. So, like, what was I supposed to do? I'm a defensive-minded guy. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of the opposite scenario, um, well, I guess let's, let's say one more thing. Bill. Bill, it's it, a little crazy. Yeah. It wasn't Bill here. This was the only job he was going after. And I right. mean, you probably have read a little bit deeper into this than me, but it sounded like he wanted some management control. And obviously the front office of the Falcons didn't want to give that to him because then they're no longer needed. Essentially, is that kind of the gist of what happened? Yeah. So they have a CEO in Rich McKay and a GM and Terry Fontenot, and they actually switched up the structure. So now Raheem and Fontenot, the GM, will be reporting directly to Arthur Blank instead of Rich McKay. And I think some of the internal battle there about Belichick was that if Belichick was getting the job, McKay and Fontenot were going to become obsolete. Like, yeah, Belichick was going to be the CEO of the Atlanta Falcons. And, you know, they they wanted their jobs. They end up going with Raheem Morris. I think it will work out. The bigger question to me is what is where does Belichick go from here? I think he's going to sit out a season. And he's the three, got to. the three teams I'm looking at for next year are Dallas with Mike McCarthy with one year left on his deal, Philly who has to nail it this next season for Sirianni to stick around, and then the Buffalo Bills where it seems like Sean McDermott may be running his course. So, all three of those talented rosters or they they have some blue chippers on their rosters i should say i think they'd all be good fits yeah no doubt i mean if he could land one of those jobs it'd be worth it for him to sit out and i think he goes and does tv i'm sure espn is going to give him a massive deal or fox one one of the networks i think he'd be a good pregame guy i think when he was on game day he was funny everyone said great things about him pat mcafee loved him you know he said he had so much more personality than he imagined so he'll go to do tv for a year like sean payton did he'll yeah, he'll be great, and maybe him and Saban get a little show or podcast on ESPN, do some daytime radio or TV or some shit, and they'll be awesome, and everyone will be chomping at the bit to interview and hire Bill next year. Um, we'll, we'll go through a couple of the rest of the hires here, but there, there's a few other names that I'm surprised we haven't heard about them getting locked in somewhere yet. I got them at the end here. Uh, let's say in the All NFC right. South, though. Panthers hire GM and Dan Morgan, who is already in-house, and then they go get... Tampa offensive coordinator Dave Canales sign him to a six year deal again. Like, why does it have to be so long with every with the track record that Dave Tepper has given us? It's just the way it is, man. It's the NFL. Six years is crazy to me. But uh, Canales and Morgan spent eight years together with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I, I like that they went with the offensive minded hire here. Pairing Agreed. him with Bryce Young, a young quarterback, sounded like it was never going to be Ben Johnson. He got pretty far in interviews last year, turned them down. And let's be clear, this situation is a dumpster fire. I don't know who wanted this job yeah. to begin with. I think a few people would have taken it. I think Vrabel would have taken it. 
Maybe. I, I think I, they, they need an offensive-minded guy. About so maybe big he personalities in, in the mix. Vrabel and Tever, buttonheads, that would be a sight. I mean, if I'm Vrabel, I say, I know how to win in the NFL, and you don't know shit, so it's my way or the highway, and Tepper probably wouldn't have liked that. But at the end of the day, yeah. there, there's a price to pay to win, you know? Like, at some point, you got to accept an NFL coach is going to know better than you, and you got to, you know, take his advice and go with what he wants to do. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot to say about this other than let's see what Canales can get out of Bryce Young. Got to give him some credit for reviving baker mayfield's career and helping him get a bag this offseason so absolutely and they made a big run but at the same time kind of on the the other side of the coin this was an offense that you know we talked about it before the season and i thought this was the most attractive place to go as a qb because like you got godwin you got evans you got otten you got rashad white you have a decent yeah. line a pretty good defense there that can hold up like it was a great spot to be in so um yeah i'm curious to see how this works out in six years is a really long time Next one, Tennessee Titans find their guy in Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan. His dad, Bill Callahan, has been in the league for a long time as an offensive line coach. Um, I, I like this move for them, I guess. It signals that they do believe in Will Levis. They want to try to move forward with him and create a potent offense. Callahan obviously did well with Jake Browning in Joe Burrow's yep. absence. Uh, and he's got a nice track record of coaches that he's worked with. The one thing I want to point out here, though, is that Rand Carthon, the general manager, got promoted to EVP of operations, and he has full control of the roster. I bring this up to point out that is a weird setup for a fir first-time head coach. I mean, he's going to be picking everyone on the team and if it doesn't work out, if Callahan's not getting the most out of them, who's the blame going on? It's clearly yeah. Callahan. I, I think Tennessee's got some larger issues. And hearing the justification and some of the reasoning behind supposedly why they fired Vrabel and a lot of it having to do with the way he spoke at his induction into the Hall of Fame in New England, like it just feels really weird to me and feels like there's there's something kind of in the water there. And I don't think that's a place I'd want to coach. I thought this could be a Ben Johnson team, but. You know, I think hiring an offensive-minded coach was the right move. Callahan was someone that I thought was kind of on the cut line, might get left out, maybe next year would be his spot, but good for him, man. I mean, if he can make it work with Levis there, and we'll see what happens with Henry and, you know, a lot of their pieces on offense, but I mm -hmm. think we're about to see a lot of turnover on that roster, and he's going to have an uphill battle. Yeah, and the other reason I point out that GM-coach relationship is that Harbaugh in Los Angeles is going to be the boss of whoever they hire a general manager. So you see some teams go with the CEO head coach, Harbaugh, Dan Campbell. Um, who else is there? Mike Tomlin. Bill was like that. Belichick, yeah. And then others going with the, who's the next McVeigh. So <laughs> clear, uh, clear differences in philosophy across the league right now. Yeah. Speaking of CEO head coaches, he didn't get hired as one, but he's sure is one now. Nick Sirianni, he finds his defensive coordinator in Vic Fangio. I love this hire. Fangio Home worked run. there as a consultant. Do, do you love it? Because if I was a Cowboys fan, I'd be hating that. I'd be like, shit, they're actually going to be good again I mean, next year. I hate the Eagles more than anything, but objectively, this looks like a good hire. So, it is. yeah, it I, is. Think, I think they did well. I know Jeffrey Lurie is not screwing around here he wants to win next season they have a lot of great players on the roster yeah as he should yeah 
Um, and I think this is Sirianni's last go. It has to work this year or he's canned. And now we'll see what they do on the offensive side. I mentioned Zach Robinson earlier. Maybe he's a guy that goes there. Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore. I've heard that name a bunch. Yep. He's looking for a job. And then I also jotted down Josh McDaniels. I don't think that's realistic, but curious to see what happens with him this offseason. Does he get another job? Maybe if he maybe if Rabel, if Rabel ends up in Seattle or something, could they go and then get they bring McDaniels in Patricia SC? too and just oh, get the whole no. crew back together? Hell no. <laughs> hell no. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see what happens with uh, the Eagles on the offensive side of the ball. And for the Dolphins, I heard Brandon Staley might get hired as D.C. And before you don't be home run, that, you think That'd so? Be a home okay. run. Yeah, wow. I mean, he was clearly a good D.C. Guy can't coach for shit as a head coach. But I mean, he was great defensive coordinator for the Rams. And I believe he was a linebackers coach for the Bears when Fangio was the head coach of the Bears. That's how he went from Chicago to DC of the Rams. So he knows the Fangio little, system. It wouldn't be a, a total little, scheme change if he got the Miami job. Yeah. And I'm kind of surprised that Miami did move on from Fangio because I mean, with the amount of injuries they had, and you have, you know, no Bradley Chubb, no Jalen Phillips, no did. Van Ginkle. You, I mean, I don't know what more Fangio was really supposed to do there, especially with the, the way Miami had the fast paced offense. Like, I felt like the defense was up to par, if not a little bit better than I expected even. I, I would bet you the Eagles just offered him a lot more money. I think he's from that area. He worked for them previously. Did he just have he's a one-year contract guy. in Miami? Like, is it a one-year deal? I have no idea. It's just weird. I, I saw that and I was <laughs> yeah. like, I didn't even realize he was out in Miami yet. Yeah. I mean, it, the news was like, a lot like the Doc Rivers, Adrian Griffin thing. It was, as soon as he parted ways, he's going to Philly. Yeah, and I jumped the gun. I had, you know, I was with some coworkers that follow NFL pretty close, and I was like, "Holy shit, Eagles just got Vic Fangio!" And then, like next day, I saw like Eagles officially hiring Vic Fangio. I was like, "Did they not just hire him yesterday?" But whatever. And he's there now, and it's official. Yeah, all, all these moves are like finalizing a deal with so-and-so and then they everyone's on their Wojan and, cha- or yeah, Woj and shams trying to beat each other to break the news Rappaport and Schefter and Pelissero. Yeah. A couple more things here. Packers move on from defensive coordinator, Joe Barry. The fans didn't like him. And a lot of the analysts pundits I follow didn't like what he brought to the table there either. So I think the writing was on the wall here with this one. Uh, surprised me a little bit with the success yeah. they had and the fact that they made a playoff run, but that could be another Brandon Staley spot. Yeah, that is true. And then just two teams have an opening left, the Seahawks and the Washington Commanders. And one of those jobs has to go to Ben Johnson. Yeah, like surely one of those two teams would have made a hire if it wasn't going to be Ben Johnson. You have to think. I'm putting my money on Johnson to the Commanders. and That these- feels like the move. The active coordinators cannot interview until after this week. So, you know, maybe that gets announced next week if the Lions lose. That's weird, though. So you can interview up until the conference championship I and know, then can't I guess go so. after that. That's so ass backwards, but it, who knows? Um, do Vrabel and Bill Belichick get left out here? I mean, it sounds like Bill is left really? out no matter what. But like Vrabel to Seattle, who else could be in the mix for that Seattle job if it's not Ben Johnson, Vrabel or Bill Belichick? Uh, Aaron Glenn, Lions defensive coordinator. He's been getting interviews. Bobby Slowick, 
Texans OC. Yeah, slow it. That could be the guy. Mike McDonald, the Ravens DC. I think he's a very hot name. Uh, Ejiro Averro, who was the Panthers DC. Anthony Weaver, he's an assistant for the Ravens. I've heard a lot of good things about him. And then Dan Quinn. So I guess it's pretty safe to assume at this point that these two teams are probably going to hire coordinators that are still in the playoffs. Otherwise, they'd already have made their move. Yeah. Maybe. Or like the Seahawks could go with Dan Quinn, which, I mean. That would I be so stupid. Be stupid. <laughs> so yeah. stupid. Yeah. So, Ben Johnson, Slowick, and Mike McDonald. Those are the those are na- the names I'm watching. That's so crazy that Vrabel's going to get left out, man. I can't believe that. Would he go take a DC job, you think? Or he just takes a year I off think and he gets would. a head coaching job next year? I think he would. You think he take a DC job? Yeah. Someone's going to hire him next cycle. That's true. Go be DC Whatever, for the Packers, yeah. make a playoff run, and then bounce. Sure. God, that'd be such a home run defensive coordinator hire. <laughs> Dude, if he went to Miami, holy shit. Yeah. Hey, Mike McDaniel, just do your thing. Mike Vrabel, do your thing. <laughs> Those could not be two more opposite yeah. guys. That would be a sight. <laughs> Quite the yin and yang uh, approach there. That'd be sick. I'm here for that. I hope it happens. Yeah. All right. Let's quickly go through the divisional round, talk about the teams that lost and what we want to see from them going forward. We'll start with Saturday's losers. The Texans told you, man, be careful. This Ravens team is for real. I know, but it was 10, 10 at half. And I was sitting there like, holy shit, this could really happen. And then next thing you know, the wheels fell off. 10, 10, but seven of those came from a punt return. CJ Stroud was not getting it done. Well, they moved the ball better than Baltimore did. Look at the stats at halftime, and Houston had a lot more yards. Stroud had a lot more yards than Lamar. And, I mean, they they looked like they'd found something toward the end of the half. They just struggled to convert, and a lot of times they mm-hmm. got into field goal range, and Baltimore came up with the big sack or the negative play that knocked them out. So, yeah, kudos to Baltimore. They definitely were the better team. Uh, I thought Stroud maybe might have a little bit of magic in him, but with, with just Nico Collins out there and no other receivers, that was a lot to ask. So I would like to see them get healthy on that side of the ball. You get Tank Dell back, you got Nico Collins, but let's go get another receiver or two and figure out if Dalton Schultz is the guy or if we're going to bring in a different He's tight gone. end. And then, I know they could resign him. I think there's a chance there, but on the defensive side of the ball, they're set with a young talent they have. I don't think they need to do a ton. They just need to get more reps and continue to grow as a team. And they're going to be right back in the playoff mix next year. Yeah. O line, maybe O line protects. Well, they a were better. injured all year. I, I think they I just had some bad luck. They have invested in that spot. Maybe you do they it lost again. everyone, but Tunsil. Like I think literally every offensive line starter, but Tunsil went down for the year at some point. Well, and he missed time as well throughout the season. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind O-line. I'd love for them to add another receiver, even though they have two young, promising guys. And they actually do have a first-round pick. We know they traded theirs this year to Arizona, but they have Cleveland's pick from the Deshaun Watson trade at 23. So, I mean, very, very, very promising future for Houston. Not much no else doubt. to say. Dude, what if they got like Keon Coleman there? That'd be cool. Hey, do you think Stroud wins Offensive Rookie of the Year? Or does it go to Puka? I think it's got to go to Stroud, but you know, I with think those it's couple games go he missed. It could go to Puka. Aha, it, it's quarterbacks award. I feel like it, it, there's no wrong choice there. That that one, I have no no qualms either way. If Puka doesn't win it after breaking the rookie catch and yards records, that's bullshit. did Waddle. 
did Waddle win it after he broke all the records previously? To he Puka? broke the catch record, and he was close on yards. Yards per catch were were very low. He like barely he was, broke. He was a thousand up there yards. on yards. No, that's yes, not true. I I guarantee you, he barely broke a thousand yards. I've looked at these stats too many times. <laughs> I'm fact checking uh, right now. We're about to see. It was one thousand fifteen. So Boom. One hundred four catches, a thousand fifteen yards. All right. All right. You got it. <laughs> I knew that one off the top of my head. But that was still up there on rookie yards. I mean, what, Puka had 1,400, 1,300, something like that? Uh, yeah, it was over 14. Let's see here. Puka Nakua, 1,486 on 105 yeah, that's, catches. That's, yeah, that's 400 yards more. That's that's a good amount. So, okay. All right. I mean, I, I think you got to give it to him. As great as Stroud was, Stroud's going to be in the MVP mix going forward. I'm fine here. with that. Yeah. Okay. Packers. Looked like the better team for a large part of this game in Candlestick Park. End up losing on a late touchdown by Christian McCaffrey. Jordan Love pulls a Brett Favre, throws a bad interception on a chance to go down the field and tie right, the game. Don't do my guy Brett Favre like that. <laughs> Oh, your guy Brett Favre, you should not want to associate with him. Chill, chill, chill. That's my favorite player growing up. Not not on like a personal level. Keep that to yourself. Anyways. Packers, oh, you gotta pull that card. We already know they fired their DC. But other than that, I mean, this looks like another great situation, just like Houston. Yep, you go make some upgrades on the defensive side of the ball. We know that they have the the youngest, you know, youngest offense in the NFL, and they also have the least amount of money on the books going to that offense. So they've got some some money to play with on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe add an offensive lineman or two just to kind of protect Love a little bit better. But I mean, they're rock solid offensively. Yeah, I mean, Jaden Reed very promising. Dontavian Wicks had his spots. Romeo Dobbs took a good jump yep. in year two. Red zone targets, grave like yeah. they, they have six to seven pass catchers that are legit and a good offensive line. So I think really all they need to do, like you said, address defense if you can and trade Jair Alexander too. Like let's move on from that goofball <laughs> and get some assets for him while he's still young. Yeah, I mean it's a short list for me for them. So good season for the Packers. NFC North is going to be very fun next year with. Yeah. Maybe Kirk Cousins back and with whatever the Bears do. Moving over to Sunday, the Bucks. I assume they re-sign Baker Mayfield to a two to three year deal. He gets paid. Big question, do they bring back Mike Evans and how can they get younger on the defensive side of the ball? That's the whole thing. They got to find a way to retain most of their talent, but also get a little bit of, or a little bit younger. They have, you know, a lot of money on the books to some of these guys on both sides of the ball, but you bring Mike Evans back. No doubt. I mean, Mike Evans, we thought he could fall off this year, and it was maybe his best season ever. He's got a few more good ones left. You think they should draft a quarterback? I mean, maybe second or third round if there's a guy you like, and, you know, it's a, a McCarthy or Penix or whoever, sure, you know, but you don't use your first-round pick on that when you came that close to, I mean, you're, you're one drive away from potentially being in the NFC Championship game. Yeah. I don't know, dude. I I don't see Baker Mayfield ever winning a Super Bowl. You look at the quarterbacks left. He's not gonna, but also, like, is this the year to go get it? Like, who are you gonna take with your first-round pick? You know, you're into the first. You're <laughs> not gonna have, like, the top three guys are gone. 
So like, what yeah. what are you really going to get? You came this close this last season, give it one more go. And then if it doesn't work out, cool. You move on from Baker, you trade Mike Evans, you probably trade Godwin too. And you hit a little soft reset and go draft a QB. I think I agree. Yeah. Just, just try to keep getting younger, build up the team around him. And then and that division is so dog shit. I mean, in theory, they should have a free spot back into the playoffs. No, just got to win a few in a row. Spot. It's them and we'll the Saints. What, we'll see what happens with the Saints and we'll see what happens with the Falcons. The Falcons yeah, they got to get a QB. next year. If they can get a quarterback, maybe they were a game away this year with, we don't even need to go over it. Desert Ritter and Heineke. They won seven games. They won seven games. They were very close. That's all I'm saying. All right. And then the last one, I think this team might have the most questions. The Buffalo Bills heartbreak once again for Josh Allen, who's now 0-3 against Mahomes in the playoffs. Man, that was a that was a sad scene being surrounded by about 500 Bills fans. Uh, it it felt the vibes were good all game, man. It could have could have been the alcohol talking, but um, I felt like the Bills were actually going to win. And the um, the Marquez Valdez Scantling fumble that went into the end zone. And I mean, I think I was the only person in that bar that saw that and realized it was going to be Bill's ball. And everyone was like freaking out and I'm cheering. And I thought I was like going to get jumped for a second. I was trying to explain like, no, 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 they're going to come back from commercial and it's going to be Bill's ball. At that point, <laughs> I was like, this is it. Like they finally got their break. It's going to happen. And then the digs drop the bass miss field goal. And yeah, man, you got to trade digs. You got to. I mean, he yeah. was he was not that impactful in the Joe Brady offense. You won games without him. The biggest play of the season when he needed him to pull one down, it goes right through his hands, and it's time. You get rid of Bass, you get rid of Diggs, and I think you run it back from that point. Probably need to add a couple linebackers and a couple safeties, but other than that, you got to give it one more go, I think. Yeah, and in Mike Sando's pick six column, he puts out, or whatever he calls it, he has a column every Monday. Uh, he was talking yeah. about the age of the Bills defense versus the age of the Chiefs, and it's been night and day. The Chiefs prioritize getting younger, and these young defensive backs have developed into studs for the Chiefs, whereas the Bills just keep getting older every season. Yeah, they, they run it back with Milano, Poyer, Hyde, Edmonds, all, all the same guys that can't stay healthy. So need a little shakeup and some youth on the defensive side of the ball, but I think they're close. They went out and got Von Miller and Leonard Floyd. I think the pass rush, they've invested a ton in, but for whatever reason, they're not getting anything out of it. I don't know if that's a Sean McDermott problem. It might be. It's also, I mean, they've just had so many injuries that it's tough to really get a pass rush when at times those are the only core players on the defensive side that are healthy. Yeah, I think... You know, when you don't have any DBs out there, it's hard for the pass rush to get much going because at the end of the day, you're kind of compromised and offenses know just get the ball out of your hands quick and secondary is going to fuck something up. Even if the pass rush is getting here, just get it out quick and play like Tua. Yeah, but Joe Brady did do a good job after taking over for Ken Dorsey. I do agree. It's time to move on from Diggs. He's got a huge cap hit next season, so just try to move on. But you're going to need to replace him and get some explosive guys. Gabe Davis is also a free agent. I think it's going to be a heavy Kincaid and Knox season next year. And then James Cook. James Cook's going to have a massive year. They got the 28th pick, and there's a ton of stud receivers in this draft class. So I, I would guarantee they take one in the first couple rounds. Absolutely. All right. Championship weekend. Let's do this. Picks on these games, Jackson. 
I wish they would have made this the nightcap. Two o'clock Sunday, Kansas City Chiefs going to M&T Bank to take on the Ravens. And I'm seeing the line has moved to four right now. That's what I'm seeing as well. So where are you going on this one? I mean, regardless of who you think is going to win this game, you have to take Chiefs plus four. Like, that's, you have to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I tried to yeah. convince myself last weekend that maybe this is the year. You know, it seems like things really haven't gone the Chiefs' way. The receivers are questionable. Kelsey's been bad. It's Patrick fucking Mahomes, man. I mean, he's Tom Brady reincarnated, even more talented. Like, he just finds a way to win, and I don't know how you can pick against this guy. Now, I've been wrong about Baltimore all season, and I keep feeling like the time is coming where they have that letdown game. Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is a little oh, more Super well, Bowl they're run gonna lose and everything now else. You're, you're finally coming around on them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm putting the kibosh on it. Uh, but no, man, I think it's Chiefs here. I like him to cover. I like him to win. It's Mahomes. That, this was literally last weekend. I, I had no De Niro on this. I was watching it just for fun. It was the first time I've ever verbally even picked against Mahomes in a playoff game. And I felt like an idiot when the game was over. Like, it's Mahomes. Like, what are we doing? You take him every time, especially <laughs> if you're getting plus money. Yeah, I'll take the points as well, but I do think the Ravens win this game. I, I do. Crazy pills. I know, man. I I feel crazy saying it, but I think this team is a clear tier above Buffalo. Their defense flies around. They're dominant. They led the league in sacks, turnovers, and points per game allowed, I believe. Um, they're six yeah, they only allowed 17 points per game. They're 6-0. and oh against teams that were three or more games above 500. You know what their average margin of victory was in those six games? Like 15 points. 26.2. That's insane. Yeah. Insane. I, I think they're too damn good. The defense dominates at home. We've seen it all season long. Thought the Seahawks would give them a scare there. Thought the Lions would give them a scare there. No. Now, I'll say rolled. this. I was at the game. If Joe Burrow doesn't get hurt, they were going to lose that game. But whatever. That that, that neither here nor there. <laughs> that was a long time ago, man. They've gotten better was. as the season's progressed. They have. And I think if the Ravens get up early, they win. Now, if, if the Chiefs score points early and they force Baltimore to be somewhat pass happy, that's yeah. where I think the Chiefs are in a good spot. So, yeah, if Baltimore gets up 7-0, 10-0 early, it's not going to be the, the Chiefs of old that we see just snap their fingers and get back into the game because once Baltimore starts chewing clock and pounding the rock, Lamar's running that read option. It is so tough to stop. It, it's almost impossible to come back from. So the Chiefs got to get up early, but I think they can. And I think that if Chiefs win the toss, they take the ball and they march down the field and try and score. Yeah, something to keep an eye on. And Lamar didn't even have to throw the ball that much this last week. He used his legs when he needed to, went for over 100 on the ground. Uh, very impressive performance from him. The one thing I have an eye on right now is Joe Tooney's status, left guard uh -huh. for the Chiefs. I think if this was any other week, or if it was non-playoffs, there's a 0% chance he plays. Agreed. He's doing everything he can to play this week, and they were successful running the ball against Buffalo. I think they really need him in this matchup. Um, they need the balanced attack because... As we know, the Chiefs receivers have been up and down all season. You had two monster MVS catches when it mattered most. Can that be replicated here? I don't know. That's why I'm leaning towards the Ravens to win this game. 
Something else to keep an eye on, D'Amico Ryans and the Texans had a lot of success first half when they really pinned their ears back and blitzed Lamar, and they were able to spy on him and also bring five when they were rushing, and they kind of kept him contained in the pocket, and with the pressure and with somebody spying, he wasn't really able to ad-lib and get outside the pocket and make things happen, and then for whatever reason, second half, it felt like the Texans didn't bring as much pressure, or maybe it was just Baltimore adjusting and picking up the blitz better, but when Lamar had time and he's able to make things happen to get outside the pocket, that's where it was almost like they're unstoppable and then they're up they're able to run the read option pound the rock and it's over but in that first half the Texans got to him and made him uncomfortable so we'll see if the Chiefs can replicate that a little bit and I have my eye on Mark Andrews coming back as well I'm not so sure it's gonna be a good thing because once he left the lineup that's when we saw Lamar really start to spread the rock to Zay Flowers Isaiah Likely Odell Beckham if Andrews is back, is he going to be back locked on to him and be less of a passer a than point. he has been? I, I'm just saying something to monitor. Uh, yeah, I keep right. an eye on Marlon Humphrey, too, in the Ravens secondary. He's I think playing. he's going to be back this week, but yeah, just keep an eye on that. If he gets ruled out for some reason, that could swing the line half a point or so. All right. NFC Championship, 5.30 p.m. Central. We got the Detroit Lions going to San Francisco. The Niners are a seven and a half point favorite right now. And we don't know if Debo is going to play. If he does, again, he's not going to be 100%. He was practicing today. Debo's playing. He's he was playing. moving around. He's playing. Okay. He's playing. You taking the Niners here? It feels like a trap. It really does. Seven feels like too many. But... I think they had a really bad game against the Packers and Debo missed the majority of the game. I just feel like this is a bounce back spot for them. And I really want Detroit to make this a game. I'm hoping that this is going to be a shootout one that comes down to the last possession, but something in my gut tells me Niners might roll. Okay. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take the minus seven. It is hard to pick against them. I did it last week. I'm going to do it again. I'm going with Detroit here. I do worry about their defense. They've let all these quarterbacks they've played over the last month go for huge numbers, 300-plus in every game, it feels like. But I was also impressed with their defense and the timeliness of the sacks that they picked up last week against Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Every time it looked like Tampa was going to get some points and take the lead, they'd knock him out of field goal range or come up with that big play or the big interception. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and then also Ben Johnson – I thought he called a great game and they picked up those got to have it type plays, the third downs and fourth downs, whenever they needed to, they got three dudes who are exceptional, exceptional in those situations. Amon Ra, Sam Laporta, and then Gibbs and is Gibbs. just a game breaker. So yeah, I'm going Gibbs with the line to his own in the playoffs. Something else to watch here. kind of similar to what happened with the Texans in the Ravens game. Tampa Bay brought a lot of pressure early on and That's gave Goff trouble. Yeah, but then it, it was like they abandoned the game plan and they started giving Goff time and dropping more in coverage. And I know you got to mix it up, but I was like, pin your ears back, man. Bring the house. It's working. Like, why are you why are you stopping? I, I, I know you got to mix it up some, but I was just waiting for them to keep blitzing and keep blitzing and keep blitzing. And they stopped. Yeah, I meant to say this earlier. Spagnolo is probably going to blitz the hell out of Lamar if they find early success with that. 100%. Uh, but anyways, I, I'm just picking the Lions here because I, I want to manifest them in the Super Bowl. That's really all it is for me. Wouldn't advise it. I think the smartest play is probably Chiefs plus four. Don't bet against Mahomes. But here we are. 
All right, so let's bring it home here with our, uh, we'll make our official big swing and pick of the week. Uh, you hit last week. I did not. I had the Texans. I had four units on it. I lost. I'm now minus one on the season. Where are you sitting? All right, so I lost my 10 units that I started out with. And <laughs> All right. Put, I put five on the Chiefs last week, so we're back to minus five. Hey, we're going to finish on top. Yeah, I'm going to go five again, try to get back to even here. Lions plus seven and a half. All right, I'm taking Chiefs plus four, and I'm putting five units on it. That'll take me back to plus four on the season. I feel like the way to go here is take the take the points in one of these games. It feels like the safe bet. Even if it might be a little bit of a trap, it feels like the safe bet. Yep. And then Super Bowl, we can bet on Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've got some very, very old Chiefs futures and Chiefs and Niners futures, so I'm... I'm a little biased here. I'm I'm be watching those games pretty close. I have a Michigan and Chiefs parlay that I placed in October. So yeah, I'm I'm in on the Chiefs here. What were the odds on that? Like forty was, to one? No, it was only like sixteen and to one. Somehow, I mean, Michigan was one or two at the time. Well, as long as you put more than five bucks on it, that'll be a nice little payday if it happens. Yep. Yep. So let's go Chiefs. Come on, man. All right, let's get out of here. You guys know the drill. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star rating. We'll be back next week. Peace.